welcome to worship at Hollywood United Methodist Church. We are glad that you have joined us in person and online on this first Sunday of Lent. Let us now join our hearts together with Pastor Bridie as she leads us in our Lenten candle liturgy. The liturgical season of Lent developed over the centuries as a time of deepened reflection. Originally a period of preparation for baptism on Easter Eve, it later became a time for all Christians to take stock of their lives and examine how the connection to their faith was progressing, or not, and to recommit to a life of goodness. This year we will indeed open up and take stock. But rather than feel guilty, which frankly is a popular Lenten pastime, about what we haven't accomplished in our lives and faith, we will spend some time questioning how our culture's obsession with achievement and perfection actually keeps us from the true depths of life and faith. This Lent will take some time to turn ladder climbing into garden tending, nurturing our souls and embracing our holy, good enough lives. What in our lives do we dream about for tomorrow? Void of sorrow. Time spent regretting decisions of our yesterdays and mistakes we've made. Sometimes we get what we get. Life disappoints us. And yet, God is still here. And somehow this faith is good enough.
Good morning. Uh, my name is Mr. Kevin. I'm the Director of Children and Youth Ministries here. And uh, this is our time with the children that we have, both with the youth and children that are uh, watching us at home and those that are here. And I'm noticing something that's up here that's not normally here. This ladder was not here last week. Now, I was gone last week, but I think it just appeared. And it's got some cool plants and some flowers on it. And it also has some, some food. There's some... Uh, Let's see here. There is a sweet potato. Wow, this looks like a perfect, delicious sweet potato. Who likes sweet potato fries? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. If you're a fan, I'm a fan. I would love to take, I might take this home and make some sweet potato fries. I would need some more. Ooh, hmm. There is another sweet potato. But this one does not look as good as that one. Uh, it's very weird shaped. It has this really long, like, stringy hair thing coming from the top. That's kind of gross. I don't. Now, one potato is not going to be enough for sweet potato fries because, like I said, I really like sweet potato fries. But this one, I wonder if, let me see. well, it smells the same as this sweet potato. Yeah, they smell the same. And, you know, I've, I've had these before. I, I think when I cut this open, it's going to be just as good as that one. There's also pears on here. So there is this... Let's see, I don't know what that one, but this is a nice, perfect, look at the shape of that pear. It's exactly what you think a pear should look like. The color is consistent throughout. Mm, my mouth is watering right now, just thinking about it. And then there's this other pear here that, uh, ooh, I can't even hold it from the stem because it feels like the stem's gonna come off. Uh, it's very bruised, it's very soft. It's not, it's not soft all over. It's just a couple little spots. It's soft. It's, it's been beaten up a little bit. It has a couple scars. But again, I bet if I took a bite into, if, I, if you blindfolded me and I took a bite out of this pear and I took a bite out of that pear, they would both be equally good. Do you know how much food is wasted every year because we have this desire for wanting the perfect thing? We go to the grocery store and we... You know, you see us, and I'm one of those people. I'm grabbing, I'm touching, I'm holding, I'm squeezing. I'm, look, I'm looking for the perfect, for the best. But really, once you get through that exterior, whatever it looks like, and you get in there, it's, just, it's usually just as good as the one that might look a little bit better. Well, this week and throughout Lent, we are talking about that desire for the perfect when we want the perfect thing, we want to look up the perfect way, we want to have the perfect, uh, whether it's clothes or house or shoes or friend or body or whatever it is, we're going to talk about that God doesn't want us to be perfect. He doesn't expect that from us. And when we only want the perfect, we are going to miss out on so many things in life. God makes things in all shapes and sizes. And there are all kinds of imperfections that we all have and that exist in this world, and we can celebrate that. And we're going to be talking about that in Sunday school, maybe even eating these pears. So I want to challenge you all, uh, all the children and the youth, but all of us this week, when we go around uh, this week, look for the imperfect things and notice them. The imperfect perfect flowers you might see in the garden, the imperfect fruits and vegetables you might see at the store, imperfect weather, imperfect things the way that they grow. Look for those things, and let's celebrate that, and notice that God is in all of that, because he, he, 
He is the God of all creation, and we want to celebrate him, and we want to know that he has so many things for us, and if we only want one thing that's perfect, we're going to miss out. Let's pray. Our creator, you have created such a diversity in this world. You've created things that are incredibly beautiful and some things that are kind of stinky. You created things that catch our attention and other things that we might just walk by. But they are all made by your hand. We are made by your hand. We probably all look in the mirror and wish there were things that were different about us. But you have created us exactly how we are supposed to be. Help us to celebrate that during this season of Lent. And help us to appreciate all of your creation. Everywhere we go, open our eyes to see and our ears to hear where you are moving and speaking and being. Help us to recognize you in everything, the perfect and the imperfect. In your name we pray. Amen. If the children want to come with me, we're going to go back to the chapel to Children's Church. I invite the rest of you to stand and in a socially distanced way pass the peace of Christ from one another. I encourage you now to take your seat and prepare to receive the beautiful choral call to prayer from our own chancel choir. Holy One, thank you. Thank you for this powerful and ordinary life. Give us the wisdom to find joy in the day to day. In times of worries, help us to find certainty in the rising and setting of the sun and the earth that you have created. Help us to resist the urge to feel less than and instead celebrate who we are at this moment in our life and in our service to you. We thank you because you have made us good enough. You have invited us as we are to be partners in the work of building a beloved community. And we are grateful by that opportunity and challenged by that opportunity. And we invite you to walk with us each day as we discover it. Help us to find the love and appreciation for ourselves that you have so freely given. This morning, we lift up all those who experience pain and illness and loss. 
We pray that you'll grant them swift recovery. Pour your healing spirit over them and alleviate from them their suffering. We offer thanks for the life of Bunny, whom you have received home, and we lift up her family in their time of loss and grief. Be with them. Be their rock in this moment, their place of stability and home. We also pray for our sister Ruth as she approaches a much long for surgery. May it be successful, and may she heal and recover swiftly. We pray for peace today around the world and especially in Ukraine. We mourn every life that has been lost and we confess that we are angry. Please help our, turn our righteous anger into something that produces peace. We grieve the trauma and pain that people are experiences, experiencing. Please bring an end to these hostilities. Pour your Holy Spirit of those, over those who control the trajectory of this conflict and move their hearts and their minds. And now hear from us the silent prayers that linger on our hearts. Dear God, we close this time of prayer together with the words that you gave to your prophet Isaiah and offer them back to you these millenniums later as a form of prayer. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation and neither shall they learn war anymore. Amen. We are so glad that you have joined us for worship this morning. Uh, we would like to welcome Thomaston Howell as our guest organist and choir director this morning. I have a confession to make. Next Sunday, March 13th, is my least favorite Sunday of the year. And that's because it is spring forward or time change Sunday. Before all the electronics, you know, started going and, you know, springing forward on their own, I lived in absolute terror that I was going to be late for church on this Sunday. So that terror continues. But it is Time Change Sunday, and it's going to be mitigated by two things that are going on here. First, we will be doing a blessing bag build in the gym. Uh, and we'll have all the doors open and the um, fans running. Uh, but so we can make blessing bags to take with us to give out to our uh, brothers and sisters who call the streets home. So that's happening after church. And then also in a corner of our parking lot there, the Department of Public Health is going to have a mobile vaccination clinic. So if you know anyone who needs a vaccination or a booster, 
please encourage them to come and have that done uh, next Sunday. And finally, looking ahead to April 3rd, we're going to have our blessing of the animals right after church on Sunday, April 3rd. So mark that on your calendar and bring your beloved pet. I'll be glad to bless any dogs and everything else goes to Pastor Bridie, I'm just going to say. So all that we do here is made possible by you, by your prayers and your presence in person and online, your service, your witness, and your financial gifts. We continue to work our way out of this pandemic financially, and so your gifts, uh, your gifts of the heart, your gifts of the spirit, and your gifts financially will enable us to do that. If you are here in worship today and would like to leave a gift, you may do so in the basket in the narthex. May God bless you. reading from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, 
He was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And... On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. Our sermon series this Lent is entitled Good Enough, Embracing the Imperfections of Life and Faith. It's based on a book by Kate Bowler, uh, and I encourage you to get that book entitled Good Enough. It just came out last month. Uh, it's a series of 40 short vignettes and meditations, some of which are just incredibly funny and some of which are incredibly moving. Uh, Kate Bowler is a professor uh, of preaching at Duke Divinity School. And, uh, which is a United Methodist-related uh, institution, and so I just encourage you to get that. Welcome to a Lent in which we affirm a faith in which we are blessed regardless, and where we can lean into embracing our good enough lives. Our, our readings from the gospel this season will remind us that the Christ lives and moves among us even during the most trying of situations, personal, professional, and political. And yet even now, even today, God is here, and somehow that is good enough. Debbie Thomas wrote this week that in today's familiar passage from Luke, we know that in his baptism, Jesus hears the bottom line truth about his identity. He is God's son, precious and beloved. But when the Spirit leads him into the wilderness, he has to face a series of powerful assaults on that truth. 
He has to learn to discern God's presence in a bleak and lonely wasteland. He has to trust that he can be beloved and famished, valued and vulnerable at the same time. He has to learn that God's care resides within his flesh and blood humanity, within a fragile vessel that can crack and shatter. Now, chronologically, we know that Jesus had just experienced his baptism by John in the River Jordan. And right after that, Luke tells us that he was led into the wilderness. That for 40 days and 40 nights, he was tempted by the devil. And he fasted during that time, and afterwards, he was starving. And so the tempter invites Jesus to consider this humanity stuff by asking, is it really worth it, Jesus, to be fully human and fully divine? You don't have to be, you know. Why put yourself through this? I mean, if you really are God, like you say. I have a better idea. Let me show you how to make it easier on yourself, Jesus, the tempter says. I know you're hungry. Take this stone and command it to become bread. Okay, well, if you don't want to do that, then look from the pinnacle of the temple. Throw yourself off and God will command God's angels to bear you up so that you won't even break a toenail. You're God's son, remember? This human stuff does not have to apply to you. All right, one last option. Look out here at all the kingdoms of the world. It can all be yours. Fame and fortune, authority, power. No more carpentry. No more wilderness. No more living day to day wondering where you're going to place your head at night. All you have to do, Jesus, is to bow down and worship me. And it can all be yours. You see, the tempter offered Jesus all of the riches of the world. He offered all authority on earth, and he offered immortality. In other words, unending riches and power and prestige. Who among us wouldn't be tempted? And Jesus indeed could have chosen to abandon the mission to which God had called him. Jesus could have trusted in the powers of the world. He could have chosen the material over the divine. He could have chosen his own way, his own path, rather than the reign of God. But Jesus resisted the temptation to define himself apart from God. He knows who he is in relation to whose he is. And that's why the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all connect Jesus' baptism by John with Jesus' baptism by fire in the wilderness so that we can see that Jesus' identity, his worth is found not in the powers of the world, but in his baptism as a beloved child of God. And family, that is where our identity comes from as well, from our own baptisms as beloved children of God. And we need to remember that so that when temptations come to us in the wilderness of our lives, for we all have them and we all experience them, by remembering that we are baptized, Jesus shows us how to respond Know who you are, resist the powers of the world, and build the beloved community. Now, that sounds easy for a preacher to say, but here's the thing about temptation. It is never over. Throughout each season of our life, we will be faced with temptations, choices to make, 
that will either bring us closer to God or more in alignment with the powers of the world. So I want to invite us to think of a couple of things we might face today that we might not think of necessarily as temptations. First, in, in terms of finding the sacred moments in our lives, we need to stop waiting for Godot. We need to realize that our ordinary lives, even when we might be in the wilderness, are holy. We have a temptation to think of only the holy as being synonymous with miracles, stones being turned into bread, or angels swooping down to save us from falling. And indeed, those things, those miracles are holy. But they're not the only things. We can see and recognize holiness all around us. Think about it. In, in just a few moments, we will take a plain loaf of bread and Welch's grape juice or crackers in a juice box or whatever you have at home, and we will consecrate them. And they will be transformed into the holy remembrance of the meal, the last meal that Jesus shared with his disciples. That is holy in the ordinary. We saw news reports this week of the Hungarian people and the Polish people and so many others who had organized themselves, not in response to a government or just people in neighborhoods had gotten themselves together to receive thousands of refugees fleeing Ukraine. News reports of food and clothing, the Red Cross, travel assistance, people opening their doors to families and uh, businesses opening their doors to become shelters. These are all acts of holiness offered by ordinary people. A week ago Saturday, I sat at the bedside of Bunny Riley, along with her daughter Liz and grandson Eddie and granddaughter Akko, two days before she left this earthly life for eternal life. We told stories, and we prayed, and we simply were present with one another. Those simple acts have holiness in them. We simply have to recognize it and look for it. Secondly, we must not give in to the temptation to, metaphorically speaking, just give up some days. I know it can seem like we, especially during these days of pandemic, it seems like we try harder and harder, but we just can't get over whatever the next step we think we need to do in order to feel normal again. And perhaps we don't ever know if we're really going to make a difference again, the way we used to. And when it comes to the immense suffering of the Ukrainian people, we are simply overwhelmed and feel hopeless. So we stay home and on a Friday night with a pint of coffee chip and the latest wordle, and we wonder, what's going to happen? And while it may be tempting to give in to defeat, there are stories of hope around us that encourage us to do likewise. I'm reminded of a story by the great Elie Wiesel, who told of a teacher, a just man, who came to a city determined to save its inhabitants from sin and punishment. Night and day he walked the streets and the markets, protesting against greed and theft, falsehood and indifference. In the beginning, people listened and they smiled ironically. Then they stopped listening. 
and he no longer even amused them. The killers went on killing, the wise kept silent as if there were no just people in their midst. And one day a child who was moved by compassion for this unfortunate man approached him with these words, you shout, you scream, don't you see it's hopeless? Yes, I see, said the just man. Then, then why do you go on? He said, I'll tell you why. In the beginning, I thought I could change them. Today, I know I can't. If I shout, if I still scream, it's not going to change them, but it is going to prevent me, it is going to prevent them from changing me. One of the most innovative ways I have seen folks helping out brothers and sisters in Ukraine is by going to Airbnb and buying a week for someone in, in a city in Ukraine. It can be anywhere and you can do this. Airbnb, it's gotten so popular uh, that Airbnb now just offers you a way to donate directly and then they will help provide housing in someone's home for someone, a refugee from Ukraine. But uh, one of my clergy colleagues, Jane Voigt's out in Palm Springs, posted what she had received back when she went on online and did this. And the gratitude that was expressed to her by this family, who was, it came out of the blue, was overwhelming. That's an act of the holy in our ordinary lives. Jonathan Martin wrote a few years ago that when temptation comes to us, we can identify it because it always plays to our fears. It's the voice that tells us we must do something to prove who we are, to prove that we're worthy, to prove that we are who God has already declared us to be. When we know we are loved by God, we don't have to prove anything to anyone. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves more beloved than who we are. But what we can do is we can reject the final temptation to remain silent in the face of injustice. Most all of the isms, not all, but most all of the isms that perpetuate injustice, racism, sexism, classism, homophobia-ism, are based in dehumanization, of thinking that someone isn't as worthy as you because of whatever the ism might be. We've seen this on the world stage this week as Ukrainians have been told they're not as good as the Russians by the Russian government not the Russian people. Let's be careful with that distinction. But we've also sadly seen the same type of dehumanization within our own denomination. We received word this week that to the 2020 General Conference, which was scheduled to happen this August in Minneapolis, has now been postponed until 2024 due to the dearth of vaccinations available worldwide. The hashtag resist harm movement, which we helped, we're one of the congregations that helped launch it in January of 2020. They've created an online petition that is posted on our Facebook page. And it says in part, in the wake of a postponed general conference and a continued pandemic, we are urgently called again to the work of Christ in all of the ways we can. Ever more clearly, we discern the disconnect between the, logics, the logistics rather, of our gathering and the call of the gospel. 
the institutional fight to enshrine anti-LGBTQ policies in the church has not only distracted us from hope-filled work, but it has caused great harm to LGBTQ people in our churches and communities, as well as their families and friends. In a spirit of humility and in a wounded church of differing convictions, we, the people of the hashtag resist harm movement, call upon our United Methodist kin to resist apathy and practice enduring love. We are impelled to resist evil, injustice, and oppression, whatever forms they present themselves, and especially as they relate to LGBTQ folk who are the explicit target of the Book of Discipline's discriminatory provisions. So you can go to that page on our Facebook, uh, that link rather, and I encourage you to sign your name. We are part of the California Pacific Annual Conference, and our bishop has issued a statement after this one, after I'd written the sermon, but he said basically the same thing, that we at the people of the California Pacific Annual Conference will continue to do no harm. Amen? We need to let the general church know that when we, Hollywood United Methodist Church, when we say all are welcome, we mean all are welcome. We, we are all created in God's good image, and we are all of sacred worth. Our calling this Lent, amidst temptations of all kinds, is to live ordinary lives in which we can see the holy. Holy lives of care and compassion for others. To claim our identity, our baptism as a beloved child of God, and to respond as Jesus would. Know who you are. Resist the powers of the world. Build the beloved community. And now as we prepare to gather around the table, let us remember, even in the wilderness, God is here. And somehow, that is good enough. Amen. Pastor Kathy said in the United Methodist Church, all are welcome. And here at Hollywood United Methodist Church, all are welcome. Let me remove this. In our church, the table is open to all who hunger for what Christ has to offer. You don't have to come to this place perfect. In fact, you should come just as you are hungry for what the bread and the cup have to offer. 
In the last days of Jesus' life, he gathered the disciples around the table for him. He took the bread that was there and he offered thanks for it. He broke the bread. And he offered it to each of his disciples in turn saying, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when all had eaten, he poured out the wine into the cup and he offered thanks for it. And he offered it to each of his disciples in turn saying, this is my blood poured out for you, the blood of the new covenant. As often as you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Gracious God, pour out your spirit upon these gifts of bread and wine. May they be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be your hands and feet in this broken and hurting world. For all of the ways in which you call us to love one another, for all of the blessings of life that you bestow upon us, we give you thanks and praise in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we pray now the prayer that your Son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Does anyone need a cup? Please raise your hand. Rance will come down and pass one down to you. Raise your hands high. We can see you. We have plenty. So this is a little communion kit, individualized. One day we'll be back to sharing a common loaf, but not quite yet. So if you tear off the very first cellophane, the clear one, you will find your cracker. Take and receive. And then pull back the purple topping and receive the cup.
now into the wilderness of Hollywood, knowing that temptations will be upon you, but also knowing that God is with you. God is here and God is still speaking. Go in peace now to love and serve the Lord. Amen.